Welcome to Designing Hollywood Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Boutte Jr. Designing Hollywood Podcast is dedicated to all things movies and the movie industry and its talented professionals. Our guest today is someone that I have been fortunate enough to call my work mom since the beginning of my career because it is she that was the first costume designer to ever hire me. She's a two-time CDG-nominated designer that has worked on her fair share of Hollywood blockbusters, including The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Captain Marvel, The Maze Runner Part 2 and 3, Blade, yes, I repeat, Blade, Star Trek Beyond, and the highly anticipated Spider-Man No Way Home. She has done nine of the 10 Fast and Furious movies, which is literally a record, but more on that later. She is the consummate designer and someone I respect beyond measure. She makes coming to work a joy and a privilege, and her team is always just that much happier to find that it is her at the, in the captain's seat, directing her team in a way that only a strong leader can. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce someone I've been lucky enough to call my friend now for close to 15 years, costume designer Sonia Hayes. Welcome to the Designing Hollywood podcast show. <laughs> wow, you managed to embarrass me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Sonia, for coming. I want to start with the boring question first, which is how did you get into this? How did I get into costume design? Oh, it's sort of by accident. I'm an architect by education, and I mm-hmm. worked as an architect for a few years. But I didn't like it. I was worked actually on the constructions. And I always loved, 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 loved movies. Uh, and I was lucky enough that my uncle was actually a huge distributor in Croatia. Mm. So I was like, you know, hovering around him and see if I can get any job in movies. And everybody expected me to get a job, you know, in the art, art department. But there was no jobs at the moment. They already had all the interns, but there was openings in costumes, the costume department. So he asked me, well, what do you think about costumes? And I was like, hell yeah. I mean, (laughs) I want to get into the movies. You know, on top of that, my grandma was, you know, seamstress. So I've been sewing, not that that's necessary for costumes, but I've been sewing since I was probably five years old. So I was like, sure, working in the movies, yeah. Um, so it was by accident, really. It's really by accident, just kind of just falling into line in the in the field, the general field that you knew that you loved. Yes, yes. Basically. It yeah. was really the love for the movies and the storytelling that brought me into movies. Was there a particular uh, movie that you watched or something like uh, when you were younger that was really inspiring to you or made you feel like, wow, like that's what I, I need to be a part of that? Uh, no, I watched every movie. Every movie, yeah. Lived in a revival theater. I went to theater by myself often. I was very lucky that where I lived was like very close to the revival theater. So when I say I lived there, I lived there. So every movie. I saw. Was there was there a particular like because you did you have your architecture background which I I love. Was there a particular kind of like a, a project or something you worked on where you felt like, oh, yeah, these two things, I can really combine them together? Um, yeah, a lot of, uh, I mean, obviously, my education in mm-hmm. about color and design and proportion and all of that is basically helpful but when I kind of was lucky enough to enter the world of science fiction 
and started building these elaborate costumes, uh, then I realized how much what I learned about proportion and symmetry and geometry and all of that was ex extremely helpful. Uh, you know, until, you know, there were moments on Captain Marvel <laughs> when we were building, you know, those elaborate costumes with all of those amazing millions of lines that wonderful guys from visual development draw. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would walk into the room and look at the costume across the room and say, no, those two are not parallel or that needs to be moved here. Then I knew, okay, there was something really in my education that was helpful. But I mean, in overall engineering, when I, when we were doing mummy and Mm -hmm. designing the uh, armor for the emperor that he, you know, needed to look like an armor, but he needed to be able to be full jet lead to fight mm -hmm. it. It was really an engineering task. And, you know, it was designed in such a way that when he jumps, it completely opens. So it looks like a, almost like a flower. And yeah, and the Michelle Yao's costume. And yes, often it's, it is, uh, I feel it's engineering task. And, um, I love that. Your work in general has inspired a lot of people. What are some of the things that inspire you? What do you look towards for inspiration? Oh, my God. For inspiration, it just really, I mean, obviously, everything starts with the story Correct. and the scene uh, and the movie and what, how director imagined the movie and all of this. And then... Um, I look, depending what the movie is, but then I look in inspiration in everything. You know, it's, I think for us, everything we ever see inspires us. From the fashion magazines, to the exhibit, to the traveling, looking at the architecture, to looking at the um, art books, to looking at the video games, to looking at the game design, mm -hmm. uh, comics, um, just everything. I mean, every single thing that we see is in, uh, you know that just as much as I do. Everything, you, you browse through the internet and and you just like, oh my God, look at this. Oh my God, look at this. You know, that, you know, on Facebook, all oh, these wonderful places in the world. It's like, oh my God, look at this Faroe Island in England, the symmetry of the rocks or asymmetry, you know, just everything. There's, there's a, um, a thing that I always like to do for Sonia, which is like, I tell this story about her often, which was, which used to make me laugh because Sonia very much so like kind of took me in, right. And like really helped me at the beginning part of my career to just like kind of grow and was fostering. But also you like, it's like when someone's doing that, you know, it's like, look at them, like almost like your edge, like your friend. Right. And it would always make me laugh so much because I would say, Hey, Sonia, what about this? And she'd be like, Oh, like Gears of War? Or she'd name a game. And I'd be like, You play video games? <laughs> like, I was always so shocked that she knew all the references. And like, she really does. So I want to say that as a compliment to Sonia to say that I think that a lot of the times you hear people or designers talk about things like where they're like, I was a fan of the comic, or I did this, or I used to, and like, and you know, sometimes it's disingenuous, but Sonia really knows these things. She actually looks at them. She looks at video game books. She looks at all the stuff. She looks at the pop culture stuff. She looks at references of buildings and music and paint, like everything. So it's something that when she says she's doing this research, she really is. <laughs> I love that. I mean, research is 
definitely my favorite part of that. It's just always because, you know, I'm so curious and so I just really love, love the research. Love it, love it, love it. And I just think the more you do the research, the better your costumes at the end because you kind of come up with something that is just unusual. I mean, I remember when we were doing Mummy and we had the armor and I didn't want to do the leather armor. Uh, that's the medieval armor. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do metal armor because just a year before then, that movie, The Golden Flower or something, The Curse of the Golden Flower. Curse of not, the Golden Flower. And they made this most amazing golden metallic armor. I'm like, well, I obviously can't do that. <laughs> that's amazing. So I kept doing research and kept doing research and, and looking at the stuff from the China. And then uh, the, it came out that jade was really incredibly valuable stone in the, mm-hmm. at, at the time of the first emperor. Um, and it, not that they were building the, the armor out of that, but it was something that they would use when people were buried and I was like oh he wanted to be immortal okay it just think one thing led to another and that led to the uh, jade armor so well since since we're talking about the mummy let's go into it because um we were talking about it there's a few different things so she's talking about the beautiful jade armor that Jet Li wears which was she really found a way in that armor. If you go back and look at that film, the costumes for that film were very intricate and very detailed. So much so that even when I remember they did the uh, the the fitum, there's like a big uh, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising had an exhibit where they showed the costumes and everyone kept walking by them and being like, "These look amazing!" Like in person, which is a true testament to the work that Sonia did on that film. The armor itself was made up of like little almost like jade pieces that were interwoven together like tiles, right? And yes. um, and like and then there was like this whole design on the chest plate with the dragon and all that. Like it was very beautiful. Um, so when Sonia talks about that, she's really talking about the full architecture and coming up with the plan. But what you can also hear from what she said was she was thinking conceptually, which is she went back and she did research. She found a way to tell the story with the research, and then she pushed it forward conceptually, which is she said, this is a person that wanted to be immortalized, has been buried. Jade was valuable during that time period, but also valuable, something that you might be buried in. And she brought that all into this design. So I think that that's something that our viewers should listen to is conceptually how a designer really thinks about how to tell that story, but also uses reference in a conceptual way, which I think is really, really great. Um, you said it, was, it so much better than I did. <laughs> it was such a, it's such a moment. I remember it because it's one of the first times that I remember learning just how much research, research goes into. I want to tell a funny story about research, which is I remember my interview with Sonia. I met her at a place. <laughs> I met her at a place called Lenore's. It's a vegan, uh, a vegan restaurant. Um, and I showed up. I had a suit on and a, and a briefcase or a satchel. And I had like books on ancient China and I had done all this research. And so I go and I'm like, I'm going to try and get this job and I'm going to impress this lady and I'm going to show her all this stuff. And I had all of these ideas. And Sonia said, she was just like, I really appreciate you. You did all of this research. It's a lot of it is completely wrong, but I'm going to hire you anyway. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> But I'll 
tell you. Yes, exactly. But it I was awesome. The other side of the story, my side mm-hmm. of the story, when I was uh, doing, uh, going for an interview for the first Star, Star Trek Insurrection, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't believe that I even got an interview that was millions of years ago. I remember going to an interview with a shopping cart full of books. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Frakes, that was the director of that movie, and I think it was Robert Berman, Roger, Robert Berman, producer. Mm-hmm. They look at me, who is that crazy bag lady with all these books? And I brought fabrics and books and stuff like that. I got a job. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was like clueless. And then this next time, as kind of you said, I went for Blade and I just had this sort of idea what Blade should be, the way the script is written. And I brought this old jacket and this all this stuff. And uh, Stephen Dorff, the director, was talking. I was talking to him and I was thinking this and I think that and all of this stuff. And so the interview was over mm-hmm. and I left. I started leaving, going toward my car. And he literally ran after me and said, you know what, you are hired. Because everybody else who came wanted to impress me with the names of people that they work with. You're the only one that brought the stuff. Later, it turned out that everything I brought was completely Completely wrong. wrong. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. He just, it was the enthusiasm that he responded the same way that I responded to your enthusiasm. (laughs) Thank you very much. Yeah, there's somebody going, willing to go extra mile. And here you are. And here I am. (laughs) I learned a lot that day, too, because I remember thinking, like, as long as you put forth the effort and you're really trying and showing that you're willing to put it forth, it can be a good thing overall. Um, So I think that that was a lesson that I learned um, as well. Um, You also brought up earlier um, Michelle Yeoh. Love Michelle Yeoh. She's amazing. Um, And you got to design some really cool costumes for her in The Mummy. Um, talk about that because I want to talk about the architecture of the dress when she does the kick and it fans like because I remember so this is this is something literally when the trailer came out it is a moment that Sonia had planned the entire time meaning when she was thinking about that dress she knew exactly the way that it was going to move and when the trailer for the film came out I was like there it is it's the exact thing so talk about that that moment in that costume so First, Michelle Yao, she's the queen. She really is the queen. And it's a funny thing. I mean, she's a busy lady. Mm-hmm. We find the costumes. We send her the pictures. She loved the pictures and the, the illustrations. But she had been busy lady. She was coming, you know, three days before she was shooting. Mm-hmm. We were very lucky. We had one of the seamstresses in the department that was just about the same size as her. So I tried all the dresses on her and we were basically building it for her. Mm-hmm. And then Michelle showed up and put the dresses on and I almost cried because all of a sudden from, yeah, this is a nice dress. It just became this amazing costume just because the way she moved in it. Mm-hmm. Just, I will never forget she was putting the shoe on. She was standing on one foot. Her other foot was in the air with her legs putting, and I was like, what are you doing? Of course. (laughs) I only want to imagine that that's how she puts on her shoes every day. It's amazing. (laughs) But the the particular dress, so I bought a skirt. 
It was an ethnic skirt that I bought in Beijing when I went for a scout to China. And it was pleated in a very interesting way so that when it, when you twirled, it was opening kind of in a flower, in a circle. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing for Michelle because, you know, we know she's going to fight Jet Li. And that was the epic thing, Michelle Yao and Jet Li fighting mm -hmm. for the first time. Epic thing. So I was like, oh my God, when she turns that head, I have to have that skirt. However, we started pleading it. And mm -hmm. one material, another material, uh, nothing was working. We were facing it, interfacing it, nothing. I went to... Um, Montreal and there was an amazing very tedious lady there and she kept looking at that skirt and just was always breaking in a weird thing and it wouldn't open and then we figured out what it was she had to sew a stitch big stitches through it parallel every two inches around parallel to break the the, the pleating and only when the pleading was broken, it wasn't like a knife was broken so that it was kind of loose. Ah. That's when um, the was able to freely open up rather than being contrived and weird. And, uh, and then she put it on and they did the fight. And yes, it was like, oh yeah. That was the That's it was perfect. It's like a, a pleated it was like three months, four months in making. <laughs> See, so this is something that you guys need to know too: is that the passion for design can also be something that you have to almost obsessively go for it and really push through because it doesn't always come. Meaning, she had this idea, but she had to work really hard to make sure that it did exactly what it is. And it's one. It's one grand epic shot for a lot of you. You see it and you're like, that was cool. But that's months of work for the costume department and the designer to try to get that right. It really did open up like a fan. It kind of just yeah. blossomed. And you said it in a costume department. Yes. You need the greatest crew, the best crew. And when you have that crew, cherish them, love them, because you're only as good as your crew. You really are because you cannot make it yourself and the crew cannot make what you if they cannot illustrate what you want or make what you want then you're nothing so cherish your crew this is something that i will say too that is also a testament to sonia i actually got spoiled with sonia because she was my first designer and i just thought that it was always going to be that way i'm not going to go into detail but personalities are a big thing in hollywood and sonia has one of the most calming personalities um, that I've been lucky to work with in the sense too that not only does she take care of her crew she makes sure that they're all taken care of and she makes sure that they feel like uh, like valued and appreciated but she means it but also there are going to be days where there is stress Sonia manages her stress probably one of the best of the designers that I've worked with in the sense that if there's something stressful she takes some time she might close her door she does some yoga she never it's like stress comes into her and she finds a way to funnel it, but it never funnels back out to the department. You'll never feel like Sonia's putting something on you or stressing you out. It always feels like it comes in, she figures it out, she processes it. She moves, it's like a Tai Chi. She oh, like moves it to the side. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it's the truth. 
It's the truth. I learned that from you only because it's one of those things that I think it's an important tool to have because we do have very stressful jobs a lot of the times. Um, and it is hard, you know. It's very stressful. It can be very, yeah. very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that I thought was a really good thing too. Let's talk about, let's move from the mummy a bit and talk about um, just in terms of just the next generation, because I do like to talk about this, which is training. Are there things that, like, if someone's trying to come up and wanting to be a designer now, with the, like, kind of like the way we're doing things now, what are some good things or things that you would impart to them to tell them, you know, to, to, to study or to focus on? You know, it's a very tricky thing because we both know if you go through, you know, 20, 30 successful, most successful designers in uh, Hollywood, each of them have completely different uh, backgrounds. Some people yes. are coming from fashion school. Some people are coming from theater. There is at least one Academy Award one designer that was an actor. Um, you know, all different. I mean, there is another designer that I'm like bowing to, Alex Byrne, that is also an architect. Mm -hmm. um, so there's many different uh, ways to become an art, uh, to become a costume designer. Um, so you know, it's 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 very hard. You have to you have to love the movies. You have to love the storytelling. And um, you know, if you are in the if you are in a fashion school or a theater or all of this, you know, learn what you what you can through this, just know that uh, the business works very, very different. And I feel that often that people are being taught to make costumes. Uh, movies are really about characters. And yes, it's costume, of course it is. But it's really about how you tell the story. And, and that you can't, forget and you know it's it's in the big costume movies whether they are period or um, whether they are sci-fi um, you know there are costumes that are being designed often before there is an actor there but it's still they they show who the character is but that is even much more important in a contemporary movies because it's so important. And then you just kind of, the research, you know, it's great if you knew a lot about period costumes and all of this, but then when you get to the movie, you will have to go so much deeper <laughs> that it's not, I don't know. It's, it is, it's kind of hard to say. Um, just love what you do, listen, pay attention. Um, try to assist somebody, um, you know, it's great. I mean, it's obviously you need to have some kind of um, background. I remember I was, I, I had an intern, the girl that wanted to be in costumes, but she decided to study film because she said it's really, and, and, and it was great because it was about, it is about film. Uh, and, and then she, you know, she learned the, the certain period, she learned this, she learned that, but that's what it's all about. I think there's also that that unique uh, balance to um, for you guys listening to know 
um, what Sonia talks about is very true, but there is a, a direct balance between also balancing your, your career and your creative life with your actual life as well. Um, I think that one of the things that I saw that can be really inspirational too is just taking the time for life. Um, when we did The Mummy, it was like I was really young and just kind of starting out and I got an opportunity after we finished drawing and working. When Sonia went to go film in Montreal, I got to go visit her. So it was one of those things where it was great because not only did I get the experience of seeing all of the pieces of how the film was being made, but then I got to go and see part of it actually being made. And that education was super helpful. Um, and then just living life, like being in a different country or being in a different place and then traveling, moving around, seeing cobblestone roads. Like there was so many things of that trip that I had never experienced before. I think travel is such a huge part in terms of even once you, once you get all your research and you immerse yourself and you're going for it and you're trying to do your career, traveling and also interacting with people, especially for a costume designer, I think is key because you pick up on all those little details um, that you see from life and you can infuse them into the work as you're going along. It helps inform you. So I think it's important too. Travel also gives you one important lesson that is important in costumes uh, in the movies. Mm -hmm. It shows you if when you travel to a different country that there is more than one way to skin a cat. Mm -hmm. And that is very important to remember in the costumes that there is always another way to do that. If yeah. you think that, oh my God, for this scene, there is a blue dress is going to be perfect. And the director said, nah. I want a red dress. The, for my storytelling, for my story, red dress, you just give it up. Mm -hmm. is, you are good enough to make a fabulous red dress. Mm -hmm. There is a blue dress. There is a, or you can argue with the director and say, no, I think actually gold dress would be amazing. Write something else, right. For something entirely different, but always remember there is not just one way or one costume or one way of doing this. And that's very important because what the scene is about, what, does, uh, what makes actor feel like a character is more important than your original idea. You can always do different just as well. That's a good point to talk about. I actually talked with uh, Cynthia, Cynthia Summers. We were talking about the art of, I had a job that I was on where we talked about the art of pivoting. So like being able to pivot quickly. So what Sonia's talking about is the pivot, which is being able to say, okay, I had this idea. It's not working out. It wasn't right with the vision. Let's pivot and figure out something else. I yeah. think that that's a key, a key point to design is exactly that because you have to be fluid. And also you have to be able to turn on a dime so that you can get the job done and also tell the story. But I think one thing that happens too is we can all get really obsessive over details, right? So you're trying yeah. to get your details done, but you have to be able to say like, you could have started a whole list about that blue dress, but as soon as it's time to change, you need to throw that away, pick up a new list and start that red dress or whatever it is. You have to be able to do that. And that's a skill that you must have, uh, yeah, that you have to have incredibly important yeah. because they will change a set for whatever reason and that whatever costume is not going to work or you have the great idea about the costume and the actor is going to walk in and say I hate it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's I another hate, one I hate that and it's and it may not he may not he or she may not 
say hate it, you know, but sometimes you have this fabulous idea or you think it's a fabulous and then actor comes to, that happened to me and mm-hmm. comes and puts it on and it's just like, hmm. It doesn't work. Because it just doesn't yeah. work because, you know, you put the same suit on the five different actors and you're going to have five different characters because they right. just become, it's when the piece of clothes become a costume then creates a character. So you have to be open. I mean, I, it's, yeah, people would ask me at the interview, so what would you put on this? And I'm like, until I know, unless it's a sci-fi or a period movie, then it's a little more defined, you know, because it's just, it is what it is. But even then you have to change the stuff. But in a contemporary, I mean, I had a fabulous fitting with one actor and we were trying to find he was a drug lord. Uh, suit for him. I think we tried probably 25, 30 suits on him. And we had so much fun because every suit made him in a different character. <laughs> and we were, and he was a fabulous guy. And we were like naming that that character, you know, from a pimp to an entertainer to this, until we finally found the suit and we're like, oh, okay, that's that guy. That's the one. So it's, it is very, uh, yeah, that's, Working with actors—that's that's a whole other issue. Have you have you had a favorite actor to collaborate with, or someone that you really enjoy working with? Oh God, I have a lot of actors. No, I know you have a lot of them. I I actually do love actors. I've yeah. discovered that I really really like actors, and I mm-hmm. like. I mean, you know, I recently worked with Tom Holland. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God! Um, just uh, you know, just incredible uh, young man, Zendaya, incredible young woman. Just that whole project was Alfred Molina. I want to adopt him. You know, just just what a cast! What an incredible, incredible cast! You know, the, the, my family, Fast and Furious. I mean, I've known every one of them since when they were. Uh, kids you know Jordana was 18 she has now two kids that are like seven and eight ten nine or ten you know um just a family we became just a family so it's very I can't possibly tell you who's my favorite actor (laughs) I'm not gonna tease you I'm not gonna tease you in here because there's a full meme that goes around about family and fast and furious which is hilarious yeah (laughs) I know they're all pretty great (laughs) <laughs> it's different, you know, it's a different, it, that's a different, but it is kind of, and sometimes it is dysfunctional and whatnot, but you know, no, it's amazing. Natalie, Natalie Emanuel became a different friend of mine, mm-hmm. the, 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 dear friend of mine. I mean, the whole thing with Paul was personally devastating for me, mm-hmm. like devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've known him for 14 years and, you know, it just, yeah, so, yeah. The question I have for you there is like, first off, let's let's recall that a little bit because we we're going to talk about it anyway. So Fast and Furious, you hold a record with Fast and Furious. Tell us what that is and tell us how, how long you've been doing the Fast and Furious. So I think I am the costume designer that has done the most uh, movies in one franchise of any. Yes. Franchise. 
So uh, yeah, that was uh, it. It it was it was an interesting thing because um, I got that movie. I flew in from Vancouver. I was doing a movie in Vancouver, and my agent said, "Hey, there's this script." They wanted to interview, and um, I read the script. I liked the script. It kind of reminded me the first one, a little bit on Romeo and Juliet, you know, the different side of the tracks, the love mm-hmm. story, all of this. And I came to LA and um, I interviewed with Rob Cohen, and he was, uh, he actually wanted to interview with me because of Blade, because he loved Blade, which mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, and so he was like, so what made you um, fly from Vancouver for an interview? Because it was a little movie. It was $36 million budget movie. It was nothing, right? And I was like, well, you know, it kind of reminded me of Romeo and Juliet. The, the Buzz Lerman, Romeo and Juliet came out six months prior to that. And it just, it just something in that story resonated with me. Not the cars, just in the really story, love story, brother, sister, all of this. And I kind of mentioned Buzz Lerman and Rob was like, oh, Rom and Juliet is my favorite movie lately. And I loved it. And he said, I saw Buzz just recently and told him. Anyways, he hired me after 10 minutes. It was just incredible. One of those things. Um, and it was, as I said, it was a small movie and um, they wanted to take it to Canada and Rob put the foot down mm-hmm. and said, this is a quintessential uh, LA story. And thank God he did, because it is, I mean, now it grew into something else. But if the first one was not shot in LA with the real streets and the real extras with the real tattoo and the real everything, it would have never been what it was. So I'm going to say, too, just for you guys that didn't pick up on it, Sonia has done, she did Fast and Furious number one through seven, and then she took a break, and then she did nine through ten. So she did nine, and now she's doing, her upcoming project is ten. Yeah. So the one project that you, I mean, that's a long time, but that also is, that is family. That's a, that's a full family unit working together on these projects and they just keep getting more fun and bigger and they keep going. And I do want to touch on the fact that I like the fact that it's one of the most successful franchises that really does push and show diversity in its cast. And it was kind of a pioneer for showing that without any excuses that can be successful. So I really enjoy that no matter what you want to say, that's successful. And I think that's a big, you know, uh, component of it. It's just people going and feeling huge. like it's a diverse cat. Yeah, right? It's a huge, huge component of that. Yeah. And it started like that, but it just grew into that. I will never forget, we were on Fast and Furious 2 in Miami, and they were watching some, I think maybe a race in the canals in Miami or something, and the whole cast was sitting and laughing and, it's, and I was like, Look at that. Nobody, they're having fun. They're stealing cars. They're doing this. They're doing that. Mm-hmm. They're loving each other. They're fighting. Nobody ever mentioned the race. There was a black, there was a white, there was a Latino, there was Asian, there was mm-hmm. this and this. Nobody ever mentioned the race. The race was just erased from the, and it's huge. It was actually a, a huge article in Boston Globe mm-hmm. that 
Fast and Furious is the most progressive franchise in America. It's, it really is because, like you said, what it does is, is it shows people and they're all doing things and they all have like their own really unique set of skills. Yeah. And they just are allowed to exist in that world doing those things without anyone drawing attention to what they are. And I think that that's something that we're seeing now more in entertainment, which I like, which is we're getting more specific. So we're showing different types of specific races of people, right? But then we're also getting specific in terms of culture and kind of like expanding on what that means. And then we're also showing people just doing things like that's that person, that's their life, and then this is what it is, as opposed to continuing to section it down. I think that Fast and Furious is literally, you know, a pioneer in that. And um, I think it's been really great that you've been able to tell that story for such a long period of time and that it's still going, you know. And it's, and it's really incredible um, how it resonates uh, with people around the world. I was in New Zealand and uh, a friend of mine, director, I was visiting him and his wife, his son, he's a, he was a very famous at the time, the director, his son, all he wanted in New Zealand was something from Fast and Furious. I mean, I ended up, you know, um, then uh, my niece and nephew, they were like 12, 11 and 12 years old. They, all they wanted was the signed picture from uh, uh, Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. So I went to Vin and I said, hey, my niece and nephew, they're, you know, 12, 11, 12, 13, whatever they were, uh, they want your signed uh, picture, uh, you know, and he was like, yeah, of course, he's 11 and 12 in Croatia. Oh, yes, I did that Pacifier movie. I'm like, no, they love Fast and Furious. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, it's just this little Croatian kids there is something about that movie that just resonates everywhere. I mean, I would, I, I, I remember I went to a doctor in London and he mm-hmm. was asking, what am I doing in London? And I thought he said, oh my God, my wife loves Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. You know, doctors were, mm-hmm. Paul Walker, I don't even want to go there because every woman in between nine and 99 just loved Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. It just, there is something about that franchise that just resonates around the world with everybody. It's amazing. And it's been an amazing journey to watch that unfold too. Um, and I, I want to see, I honestly am really curious. I want to see how much further, how long it can go. Cause it does, you know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah. I know me too. Now you talked on it quickly. I just want to know, I know we can't say much about it, but you did Spider-Man, uh, uh, the next Spider-Man that's coming out, uh, no way home. So talk, t- tell us the little bit that you can about that or just talk about an experience or anything that, you know, because I know that it was a good experience for you. That trailer is nuts. There's everything known to man in it and I'm so excited to see it. So can you tell us anything? It's going to be epic. It's yeah. Just, um, yeah, I mean, it was, first of all, it was my COVID project. Um, okay. So uh, and it was, I just, it, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I had a great year last year. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of, 
I started in January working on Spider-Man and we started and then we sort of shut down and then we stayed at home and I was working from home and I loved working from home because then I was able to organize everything to presentation on Zoom and I just kept working and there was a lot of research and working with the director and just was fantastic. And then they just keep bringing these characters. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was hard, hard work. A lot of stuff, fantastic crew that made all of those costs really difficult and really complicated costumes and all of that. But somehow I loved the director. He's just the best, uh, you know, just, you know, he's just has so talented and so funny with such a great sense of humor and all of that. And then, as I said, Tom and Zendaya are just, just fabulous young people. It's just really, you know, that is when it comes, I like, I like them as an actors, but I also like young actors. Mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like a mother to them, like <laughs> to protect them. Yeah. It was Tom is hard working, serious. Um, anyways, it was it was just great, and then they kept bringing these fantastic actors and inventing these costumes. And it was interesting because on one side was director always, and you probably noticed that in the previous movies, wants mm-hmm. to put New York very realistic. Yes. So it was very realistic on one side, very down and dirty, and then this fabulous fantasy on the other side. So. It was just kind of going back and forth. Um, it just, yeah. And all, all of those actors were great. All of those kids were just so sweet and lovely to work. It was great crew. And yeah, and working on COVID. I was going to ask you, how was that? It was, it was kind of great. I mean, Marvel and Sony were amazing. We, they, and the studio there, we had this uh, system, Synexis, that was cleaning up the air. Mm-hmm. So they were cleaning nine, 99% of the of the things. Uh, we still wore all, all wore uh, masks. Uh, we were test. I was tested three times a week, but it was like nobody. I mean, I, I think that few people probably had COVID somewhere, like PAs that were going out, but nothing ever spread, stretched. Nothing. It was just. It was. I mean, other than wearing masks, and and because all of us were so conscious. Of no, we, nobody was going out to dinners, to partying, mm-hmm. or anything. The social interaction of our life was work was on the cruise, so we ended up really um, depending on each other and made such an incredible bond, both in the all in, in the costume department, but in crew overall. Um, and you know, as I said, great, great director, great uh, producers is great. Excellent. Yeah. And I think the movie is going to be epic. I can't wait to see it. I don't even, I couldn't even ask questions. I just think I watched that trailer so many times and I was, was so shocked by what they were, what they managed to put in the film. And so I was like, I'm not going to watch anything else. I think I'm sure there'll be more trailers. I'm not going to watch them. I now just want to get to the movie and go watch it and be excited by all the things that unfold. And I'm very, very happy and proud of you that you got to do that. <laughs> so... I'm very happy. I, it was just—it was just one of those hard projects. But you know, we all—who cares? We love our jobs, so it, hard is not an issue. But just great. 
Well, I wanted to also call attention to, I wanted to make sure that we said, what do you have besides you've got FAST coming out or, or you have FAST as your next project that you're going to be working on. Do you have anything else that's coming out soon besides the Spider-Man? Just dreams. Just dreams. <laughs> I have a project that I have my, my eye on it, but we'll see what happens. Okay. We're going to put that out into the universe. And yes. is there any place that people can follow you on social media or see what you're up to or your website? Anything that you want to say? No, not I knew the answer to this one. Sonia lives life. <laughs> I'm not very good about that. I mean, yeah, no, I kind of see that here is the thing about and, you know, that's kind of crazy um, mm -hmm. about social media. First of all, I do the movies. I can't post any anything from those movies on the social mm -hmm. media because I would never work in town this time again. I just can't. Correct. I, I travel a lot. And for me, I occasionally post, as you may know, some nice picture if I find something beautiful. But I can't really... It's just bragging where I go. It seems like in a poor taste. This is, this is two things that I will tell you about Sonia. A, very humble, which she just said, poor taste in terms of like just being like, I don't need to say where I go. But one of the things that everyone can take from what Sonia is saying right now is Sonia taught me that when you go to places or when you are in places to truly try to be there. Yes. To be in the moment, to use your memory, to actually focus on what you're experiencing and live in that moment. 100% because I have seen crew members that stay in a hotel and I'm like, oh my God, you're in Japan. Yeah. yeah. Go out, do everything, go to the list, go on. I mean, we have this amazing thing, internet. Yeah, that's the one thing that I, when I go somewhere, I am trying, I try to dive in and immerse myself in the culture and experience as much as I and do that. That's such, I mean, our jobs are hard. A lot of people don't have personal lives and everything, but that's one thing that if you travel, you have and just love it. It's been one of the, the greatest joys of for me um, to have my career start out with Sonia and to continue and to flourish. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I want <laughs> that, I, I, that I actually was able to meet you and that, uh, yeah, it was great. It was perfect. Um, and I also want to thank her for all of that she shared with us today on the podcast. Um, and also, you guys look out. She does have her IMDb. It's probably one of the things she keeps the most updated. So check with her and see what she's got going on at any given moment. Um, thank you for joining us today. Um, I also wanted to thank the Designing Hollywood podcast team, producer and founder Martika Ibera, and co-founder, costume designer Marilyn Vance, who we love. And guest costume designer, Sonia Hayes, thank you so much for coming to the show. I have to also thank our sponsor this week, which is Western Costume Company, a one-stop shop for costume designers, costumers, and stylists since the earliest days of Hollywood over a century ago. Western Costume has been an industry mainstay. And shout out to Eddie Marks, who we all love and adore. Love you very much, Eddie. Thank you for sponsoring this. And thank you, Sonia, for coming. Tune in next time, guys. Thank you, Phil. And thanks, everybody, that you just mentioned. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>Thank you to our sponsor, Western Costume Company. More than a century old, Western Costume Company is the oldest and largest costume house in America. A one shop for all your costuming needs. Also, thank you to our viewers. 
be sure to follow Designing Hollywood Podcast on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube for all of our episodes.